Recently, I had an experience with credit card fraud that caused so much unnecessary stress and anxiety. I spent hours on the phone and in chats with my credit card company. I had to get two different cards before the fraud stopped and I was so worried about what was gonna happen to my money in my bank account. And I sometimes have the fear that it's gonna happen again, right? And that's why I'm so excited to introduce You Are The Healer's newest sponsor, Aura, an app for protecting online data and personal information. Cleaning up my information not only helps reduce the amount of spam I get, but it protects me from hackers who could use this information to help them access things like my social media accounts, bank accounts, and other sensitive information. Protecting yourself and your personal information is a form of self-care. I swear. Go to my sponsor, ara.com healer to get a 14-day free trial and have peace of mind knowing your information is safe. Again, that's ara, A-U-R-A, dot com slash healer for your two-week free trial. Therapy has been so largely beneficial on my mental health journey, and I'm really excited to announce that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you know me, you've probably heard me say that therapy is mandatory because there's absolutely nothing wrong with seeking help, and I think that every single person who walks this earth needs it. So I'm really excited to be connected with BetterHelp and offer affordable and accessible therapy um, the link will be in my show notes, or you can go to betterhelp.com slash healer. That's better, H-E-L-P.com slash healer. Welcome to the You Are the Healer podcast. This is Sydney Rindernecht, a psych nurse and your host, here to educate, support, and motivate and encourage you to be your own healer and to take care of yourself as we dive into different mental health topics. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back to You Are the Healer. I'm so excited because I'm sitting across from one of my best friends in the entire freaking world right now. Oh my Her name is Taryn Fox. <laughs> um, we met like, what, two years ago? Mm-hmm. Almost. Not quite even. Because it's August. I, I honestly don't remember the first time that we met. It was before October. Okay, so it's... We're like right around there. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, happy anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Taryn's just one of my... Oh, such a good girlfriend. And we're going to gab about a bunch of things. But Taryn, go ahead and say hi. Hi, everybody. Um, Yeah, so some of the things we're going to talk about today um, is overuse of psych terms in um, daily life, the power of female friendships, Mm -hmm. um, and then definitely like trigger warning when it comes to sexual abuse, um, and also heartbreak. Um, And it may not seem like these things go together um you'll be surprised yeah and we'll just we'll just gab and see what flows and and yeah let's get you into it you might not hear one of these topics and you'll be like where did it go it's because we cut it out yeah yeah <laughs> we're on our own we're on our own little wavelength and if you catch on you catch on that's all that matters yeah okay I, th- I want to start with female friendships because I feel like we talk about this all the time and our friendship with each other, I feel like, is very nourishing, and our whole female yes. friend group. Yes. So I guess I'm wondering, maybe, have you always had the experience of having positive female friendships? Or mm-hmm. if not, when did you notice the importance of them? Um, I think that I had maybe a more complicated relationship with female friendship um, up until I got to college. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most of that was me being not connected with my sexuality and Um, so I would have like very intense 
uh, like codependent friendships. Mm. Um, but really, it's just because I had a crush. <laughs> um, Wait, okay. I remember one of the things when I was saying, oh, like I want Taryn on the podcast was we'd talk about sexuality. Yeah, oh. So maybe that we just throw that in there too. A fifth topic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it took me a while to get comfortable with my sexuality. And it was like after I passed like, you know, identified and claimed my identification, um, like, as a bisexual woman, that um, my relationship with women changed Mm -hmm. um, to be much more healthier. Yeah, good, (laughs) good. Um, But yeah, it was definitely in college uh, where I got, like, my first good, like, group of girlfriends. um, And then fell into this beautiful friendship. I know, what the heck. All of the people that we surround our life uh, with. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's like nourishing friendships, regardless of like gender identity mm-hmm. is so important to mental health. Yes. I have a lot of like, I always describe my friendships as like romantic, like I have a lot of romantic mm-hmm. friendships and that's with both girls and with guys. I have mm-hmm. a lot of really close guy friends who mm-hmm. like, I would, they, they hold a similar space in my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I know we talk about a lot like societal conditioning right (laughs) right but I think that has to do with why female friendships are so important and nurturing is because I feel like women like are conditioned to be like empathetic and like connect like connect with people and really be in our feelings and I think that's why female friendships are so nourishing and that's men are kind of conditioned to shy away from their feelings Mm -hmm. and that might be why they're more isolated well I do know that like a lot of guys like their strongest emotional connection is with their partner exactly um and like when you I've had boyfriends I'm like what do you talk your guy friends about and it's like it's their life it's like the day-to-day things Uh of their life or like individual moments of frustrations but like I'm over here sharing like what I learned in therapy Uh that day and all the traumas I'm unpacking yeah (laughs) yeah and I feel like um female friendships offer this like safe space to open up and to have like challenging emotions or be like I'm really working through this like I don't know what I'm doing you can cry in front of your female friends like Mm -hmm. that's so normal and I feel like it's it's so beneficial to your mental health because you have a variety of support. Whereas, like you were saying, men typically – this is talking very, like, generalized heteronormative mm-hmm. dynamics. But men typically rely on their partner completely for emotional support. Oh, yeah. And that can lead to, like, really dangerous mental health. Yeah. I mean, it just goes to show that, like, misogyny hurts men too. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Period. <laughs> Wait. Can you tell me about Barbie? Can you tell me about Barbie? Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. All my Barbies out there. <laughs> um, but it's, yeah, the, like, I honestly think, like, mm, men being conditioned to be, you know, like, the leader, the one in charge, you know, that is in itself an isolating experience. Mm-hmm. It's isolating to, like, be, quote, unquote, like, on top. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing like building community and finding community mm-hmm. um and how much it's like i don't want to be on top i want to be holding hands with right? everybody and we're all frolicking in a field like, there's nowhere to be <laughs> sound of music yep. like big glacier like mountains behind us yeah 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 i really liked what you said that the like conditioning hurts men too because i, I feel that. like it can be easy to focus oh, there's this book i was reading called um I think it was The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, and it talks about, like, the pain body Mm -hmm. and how, like, the idea of pain and identifying with pain can be, like, a unifying um, experience. A lot of women will identify with the struggles of being women, Mm -hmm. 
And that's kind of what unites them, even though it's pain and it's not something that we want. Yeah. Right. So it's important to also acknowledge the other half of like, you know, this thing that we struggle with also hurts other people too. This like <laughs> kind of a tangent, but when it's oh, like, I love the tangents. How just like you know, a lot of women do connect with women through like the struggle of what it is to mm-hmm. be a girl, right? Um, but like it just like made me think about um incels, um, <laughs> and it's like, well, like, but that's that's where the misogyny is hurting them, right? You know, explain it's, like, to me what an incel is because I have a vague. I don't. I don't know like the exact um definition of it but when i think of it in incel it's somebody who's like chronically online and mm. they really hate women okay yeah um but it's like they also like want to possess women and it's like it tends to be a lot of people who don't have big social interactions outside yeah. of that and it's a lot of like um like forums and like underground like dark web internet type stuff mm-hmm. um like doxing people um and like they like incels can be kind of scary yeah definitely yeah. <laughs> um and like a lot of it is like tearing down women because they like feel confident and like I don't know things like that yeah and it's like I mean we were talking about this over brunch this morning like um like the need to like tear people down mm-hmm. like in order to feel better about yourself like it's not it's coming from a place of like insecurity oh 100 percent if you feel secure in yourself, you don't look at somebody else and think like, for for, for example, um, I think that um, there is a, another tangent, I think that there is a very persuasive um, idea that like, if you are very physically fit, um, and maybe it's like a subconscious thing that they feel better than people who, mm-hmm. you know, tend to be, who might be heavier than them. Right. Right. And someone's weight is not at all indicative of like their physical strength and also like that's not doesn't make you a better person right like even if you are stronger than them or can run longer than Uh them like it doesn't make you a better person yeah and I think like a lot of people kind of like write a high about that um because they're self they're insecure Mm -hmm. that it's like they don't realize how like they they don't want to see themselves in that position Mm -hmm. and so they pick part that person but it's really picking apart their own fears about right. themselves exactly and yes. it's all projection yeah and so I mean what we're basically talking about is external validation and this is one facet of it mm-hmm. like oh if I'm stronger than you then I'm better than you I mean there's a million other things that we could yeah if I make more money than you yeah, I'm better than you yeah. oh if, if I'm, I'm hotter than you yeah. by conventional standards exactly if I pull more than you yeah right and it's like this competition that you're creating in your own head to go better about yourself when you could just feel better about yourself without other people or without that external thing yes or it's like if somebody else is winning that doesn't mean you can't also win yeah Yeah. exactly there's a like a a scarcity mindset with all of those things Mm -hmm. like only one person can be great right and okay I feel like this is how men are conditioned like specifically Mm -hmm. and I think that that's another reason why like women can just enjoy each other and like very much when I see my friends winning, I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're all winning together. Like it's, or I'm so happy for them and that achievement. It's not a competition because I don't feel good enough about myself. Yeah. And to like kind of piggyback off of that, because, you know, I feel like people, you'd be like, well, you know, there's mean girls and X, Y, and Z. Yeah. All of that is like internalized misogyny. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I think some people like, depending on how much like you learn about, you know, conditioning and, and the patriarchy and all of that stuff, I feel like some people think that you're immune to misogyny if you're a woman because you're a woman but that's so not true no that's like racism too like we live in a racist society if you're not unlearning your racism then you are racist racist. like same thing with the gender stereotypes so like so i i one of the reasons just to piggyback 
backward <laughs> to what we were talking about with like sexuality, I had so much internalized um, homophobia uh -huh. that it was why it took me so long to like come to terms with my sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, because all I could do was like look at like I don't the feelings that I'm feeling for different people in my life like I'm not seeing that represented anywhere mm. and it's the butt of jokes mm -hmm. and it's all these things so it's like it must be wrong mm -hmm. um and so it's like I was never like homophobic towards people but mm -hmm. it was one of those things where it's like I couldn't let myself be yeah. because that, there was something in me that was telling me it was inherently wrong mm -hmm. and it's just because I was socialized right that. I was gonna say it's all based on how you were socialized over that mm -hmm. and it's like I wonder how many things like that exist like mm -hmm. am I operating like the way that I'm operating out of mostly conditioning like yes yes <laughs> but this is such an interesting thing like if you like we talk about like stepping into like the role of the observer and it's like am I the feelings or am I the awareness of the feeling okay and it's like yes I am conditioned all of these ways I've been socialized all these ways we are just a continuation of like compacted event after event mm -hmm. right um but we're also not that at all yeah that's just our body we're also just the one who had that experience like i'm just watching yeah exactly like, i'm just there if if anyone is like this sounds a little out there this is definitely a huge pillar of like meditation and mindfulness it's yes. like stepping outside and observing your thoughts like you are not your thoughts you're not your feelings you are the one that experiences your feelings you're the one that observes your thoughts right you're more than that Yes. And it kind of takes that kind of takes you more into like being and soul and higher self and all of that stuff yes. too. My therapist was the one who gave me the line of like, "Are you the feeling or are you the mm. awareness of the feeling?" Yeah. And when as you were talking, I was thinking like, again, this is the importance of therapy because mm -hmm. you have had all these experiences and these conditions, and everyone is so unique in the the experiences that they've had that like therapy is a mode to unpack all of your individual experience and really understand yourself better, so you can show up in relationships in your life and for yourself even better because you know yourself more yeah I mean just talking about um like am I just socialized this way like am I just acting this way because of the different things that have happened in my life and like me saying like yes of course um one of the things that I unpacked um in therapy with you know the loving help of my therapist was um trigger warning for sexual assault so I was molested as a child um by someone in my family and uh, then I was groomed by a friend of the family when I was in middle school um definitely having like inappropriate sexual interactions before I knew mm -hmm. you know like what that even was if yes. you wanted it all these things and it the just the socialization of mm -hmm. like wanting the good like I'm getting good attention, so I'm going to do things that I don't necessarily feel comfortable with, mm -hmm. but I'm getting positive feedback. Right. Um, and that is so reinforcing to everybody, but especially, like, the younger you are, the more reinforcing it is. Yes. And, like, I, like, don't even have, like, my, like, I was being molested so young that I don't have, I have, like, snippets of the memory, and then the memories where it starts, because it's, like, if you think back, like, how how far back when you're like thinking about your timeline and everything like that, can you like make it a linear timeline? Right. Right. Probably starts happening. Like for me, I start to have a really clear linear timeline. Why I'm like eight or nine. Oh, wow. That's pretty late. 
third grade, fourth grade. Yeah, yeah. maybe it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was blocking. <laughs> right. And that's, I mean, that's a totally normal reaction right. to something traumatic, yes. especially something that traumatic. Yes. Um, and so it's like, I have like little snippets of these memories mm-hmm. that for so long I'd be like, why would I think that? Like, that's not real. Mm. Um, oh. Just, oh my gosh. And that, that uh, totally, I'm now understanding even more. Limiting- so Taryn has this limiting belief that she's not real. <laughs> and she, this is kind of the, the circle of why you were talking about this is like in therapy, she discovered that she has this belief that she's not real because it was a way to protect your very young self from a really terrible. painful, terrible memory. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, wait, this isn't real. So it's fine. I can do, I can live my life. Yes. And so it's like, while I'm not <sighs> being real, like my child self is like locked away in this like cage that I tried to make a very safe place right yeah um but I like as my youngest self right some of my earliest memories are of abuse mm-hmm. um and so you know this person who is not me and I call it in therapy I call it the representative has like stepped forward mm-hmm. and um that's the person who manages my interactions with people mm-hmm. and it's very much reading their cues mm-hmm. and trying to form myself within the confines of myself but you know acting more upbeat or less upbeat or being louder or like whatever it is so that I can make myself safer in that Mm. situation even when there's not a threat right it's people who I love right but I'm still trying to read them Mm -hmm. to make myself safer so I can change Mm. the way that I'm behaving oh wow that's such a like a deep subconscious behavior that is so I mean rooted in something so so strong and like polarizing like Mm-hmm. I think it's it's easy when, you know, it's easy to harp on yourself and be like, why am I doing these things to people that I love, especially if you're, like, not conscious of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really important to know that, like, your brain is literally doing its absolute best yes. to, like, protect you and keep you safe. Yes. That is the whole point of your nervous system is to mm-hmm. make you feel safe. Yeah. And so it's, like, you come to realize, especially if you experience, like, a lot of trauma growing up, like, you're doing these things that are no longer helping you anymore, but at one time they did help you, and that's why you have them. Exactly. And so it's, like, to kind of talk about, like, am I just, like, the results of my conditioning? It's, like, yeah, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. Like, wait, wait. You know? Because it's just how we're surviving. Wow. Like, of course you have to be these things. Yeah. This is the world that we live in. Like, yeah. reality is not always safe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And I like I like that little positive twist on it because even when you were like, of course you're a result of your conditioning, I'm like, fuck, like how do I change that? How do I change that? But that's okay. Yeah. You know, that's literally that's okay. how it was supposed to be. Yeah. Like I literally think I think all the time about like my negative experiences growing up and I'm like, these things happened on purpose. I would literally not be I would not care about mental health like I did if I didn't struggle. Mm-hmm. And so it's like it's okay that things are the way that they are. It is okay the way things are that they are. And it's like, and it doesn't mean that it's like just because I struggled and it has led to me being a person who I truly love that I want other people to struggle. But Mm -hmm. like we, this simple fact is we can't change the past. We can't change what has happened. And so it's just like making peace with like these bad things happen Mm -hmm. to you. Um, And you are all that you have. Mm -hmm. And I can, you know, I had a really hard time in college because I was um, leaning on the sides of like hypersexual. Mm. Um, and for me, that ties back into being like 
abused as a child mm-hmm. um, in that, like, well, this is something that I can, like, reclaim as mine, mm-hmm. right? My, right? My sexuality is mine. Right. Like, who I choose to sleep with, when, and how, right. and what we're doing. Right. It's all in my control, yeah. which is you didn't have that control. No control. With your first multiple experiences with anything sexual, mm-hmm. right? And that's such a normal response. Like, I think I talked about it. I recorded an episode with Ava, which hasn't posted yet either, but mm-hmm. nothing's real, so it's fine, um, where we talked about um, – and I also am reading a book called Body Keeps the Score, and it talks a lot about trauma and abuse, especially, like, sexual abuse and the effects that it has. And it's, like, two very common responses are either, like, asexuality, mm-hmm. like, I'm literally never going to choose to have this experience again, or hypersexuality, which is what you're talking <laughs> about. Because it's it, – like you're saying, it's taking that control back. Mm-hmm. And it's, like um, – having a say in your experience, which yeah. is such an, a natural thing for your brain to want to prove to itself mm-hmm. when its first experiences were not in your control. Exactly. And so it's like the result of like, are we just conditioning? And it's like, yes. And it's like, for me, it's like, should I feel shameful then about that? Yeah. I don't think I should. Shame um, does nothing. Shame, nothing good. Shame and guilt are useless emotions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> useless unless you're unless you want to feel bad then they're very useful then they're very useful <laughs> but like all they're doing is making you feel bad like if you're yeah. feeling guilty you're not actually if you're so stuck feeling guilty that you're not creating action or change right to change no use. That you feel, you're, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah okay so i want to i almost want to take this two ways yeah. so right now i mean we're talking about like sex and shame and i think that is its own yeah. microcosm of, oh. of a topic we could yeah. <laughs> and then i also want to talk about earlier you were talking about you created this like area inside your mind Mm -hmm. to be safe and I kind of want to talk more about that so it was such a big breakthrough for me I was in therapy and we're talking and um we're talking about the inner child and I just like start crying and I was like I don't know where she is and it's (laughs) it's so interesting because I'm coming to all of these realizations and like with practicing like meditation and mindfulness and conscious awareness of being like that inner child that's like essentially like opening the door for mm-hmm. the the small little place that I made for her that she fit in at the time because mm-hmm. she was just a little girl yeah um and I have this whole 25 year old body now mm-hmm. who has this great life and it's like the first time like she's experiencing it and it's mm-hmm. like the it's this like past few months are the first time that I've become like aware of like the representative and how I'm like even reading my friends in situations to try to like change my behavior Mm. um and with my partners Mm -hmm. and stuff like that um and like I've I'm all grown up but she's not yeah and I think that's also why like as I've stepped more into comfortability and current awareness I'm like you you know I I guess I don't want to say like I'm like reverting back to who I would have been I guess like without some of these things like Mm -hmm. I like I stim more often and like my verbal tics and like things that like these I have a lot of things about my personality now and about just how I interact with the world now that I didn't have before Mm. like through like I'm thinking like high school um and like the middle of college like these weren't like you know um and it's I think because like the representative was always out Mm. the representative was always in control and so it's not safe to stim in public it's not safe to um like 
my little ver- it's like because like other people are going to think like you're going to mm-hmm. draw ta- attention to yourself right um and so it's like in some ways it's been really hard because all of a sudden all of these like very natural parts of myself mm-hmm. are just like laying themselves out there but like I haven't learned how to cope or adapt or accommodate yeah like for, yes yeah to... like noise sensitivity right like yeah. big thing for me um but you know I'm 25 going to my like first music festival and then I'm like I need over the head earphones for some of this stuff yeah, you know it's like, like it's- it's a lot. Like, yeah. um, you're like reintegrating your child, child self back yeah. into your adult life. And I very much, um, feel like the reason all of this is happening is now not only am I like trying like with the mindfulness and like becoming aware of, of my representative doing mm-hmm. my life for me. Yeah. Um, but it's because I feel safe. Oh, yep. And that's, you know what, that's a huge thing with trauma is, when you finally feel like safe and like quote unquote healed enough, then the painful memories come back. And it's like this cycle of like, wait, I thought I was through that. I thought I was over it. I thought, you know, I had worked through everything, but now you're just at a place where you feel your brain is like, we can actually process this now. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like at the same, it's sad, but also so like almost like heartwarming to have like a homecoming for like your, your own self, like your young, like your baby self that was like, like think about like all the things that you like loved at the time. And like, it's so, it's so nice to see you kind of like coming back into like your true self. I really think that like who we are when we're kids is like, that's who we are. It's before all the conditioning. Yeah. Right. It's before the (laughs) negative experiences, before Mm -hmm. the trauma, before, you know, every, everything we get, we experience and that we take in, that's who we are at our core. Mm -hmm. And so I mean, it's overwhelming, I'm sure, but it's so, like, it's so cool to see you, like, integrating yourself back into yourself. Like, that's so important. I, yeah, and, like, part of it, like, feeling so safe, it's because I have these beautiful friendships. It all comes back to female friends, baby. (laughs) (laughs) But, yes, no, I know what you mean, because, like, I felt, I went, well, I guess maybe we can talk about heartbreak now, but I went through a really (laughs) tough heartbreak this last year of my life, and I relied on my female friends so heavily. Because, like, I, I feel safe around them. I, even these, like, really, like, hard, tough emotions and experiences, like, I felt like I could process it externally out loud to my friends. Like, and that helped me so much. And so. Oh, I'm a thousand percent on that same boat. Yeah. Like, I also went through a very rough breakup this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say, like, rough, but also at the same time not rough at all. Yeah. We, I, we had – so me and Taryn had really different experiences yes. based on, like, the relationships, which, of course, every relationship is very different. But I think it's just, like, heartbreak is this – oh, it, like, cracks you open. Oh. I mean, it's just such an experience that's so, like, raw and painful, but also freeing, so it's complicated. Yes. Right? You're like, oh, I, I feel bad because I feel good because I feel better. Yes. You know what I mean? I took this. This is actually a line from um, my um, ex-boyfriend, but I really <laughs> liked it. Um, and I, I stand by it today, which is um, like kind of like the love is worth the pain. Okay. Like everything. I mean, if you think about it, any love, platonic love, romantic love, like the duality of life is that you cannot have such beautiful wonderful emotions mm-hmm. without the negative emotions too yeah and so like love is either gonna burn love is always going to end in heartbreak mm-hmm. it's death or drifting apart yeah or betray you know yeah like, or cheat you know like any ex- fill in the blank right yeah, right of how love could go wrong and it's always going because everything happens. yeah literally that is the idea of impermanence which is huge in buddhism and meditation is mm-hmm. like 
everything is always changing. Nothing is forever. Yes. That is a guarantee. And all I can say is love is worth it. It so is. I have this like I think I wrote it in my notes app like years and years ago. Whenever I'm sad, I I write like poetry and I just love to write. It helps me feel so much better. Even if it's bad, even if no one sees it, like I just I'm like, oh the pain is is art. But I always think that like the risk, like having love with the risk of losing it is always worth taking that risk. Yes. Like it is always worth, you know, the potential of getting hurt because that is a guarantee. Like when you're in a relationship, friendship, family dynamic with anybody, like you are putting yourself at risk to get hurt by that person and vice versa. Oh yeah. Um, which, you know, and at the end of the day, like, like Sydney was saying, like our breakups were very different. Um, my relationship was in a very bad place for like six to eight months yeah. before it ended. So Taryn was in heartbreak for like, I mean, I, I, I was physically watching her grieve and being like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> like, it's good. <laughs> I mean, you were, you were, you were relatively candid about it, but I could, I could see the suffering on you and like the breaking of your own heart. Constantly. Constantly. Daily. Yeah. Just being. While, while continuing to maintain this relationship. Yeah. And put in all this effort. Like, I would say that I've never felt lonelier than while in that relationship. Oh my gosh. Wait, okay. We can also talk about this. And this also ties back to female friendships because me and Grace, you know Grace. Mm-hmm. Grace, you're listening. Hey. Hey, Barbie. Hey, I miss you. Come yeah. visit. Yeah. She'll, she'll be on the pod too, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but we were talking about, you know, because I've, I've been single for months and she's been single for a while as well. So she's got really good wisdom about um, feeling lonely because Mm -hmm. when you're not with someone, you feel lonely. But she was like, think about how much like that feeling of loneliness that you get when you're in a partnership and you're not getting what you need from that partner. You're not feeling seen. You're not feeling hurt. There's literally nothing more suffocating, isolating. Like you feel like, like you're not real because yeah, Yeah. I guess who doesn't feel real. I mean, and, and like scraping at like saving this relationship for months and months is such a heartbreaking, isolating, lonely feeling. Begging for just the smallest ounce of affection. Mm-hmm. Nothing makes you feel like more pathetic. In your like less life. of a human, yeah. less worthy, less. Oh, that's rough. But you know what? It wasn't the most lonely I've ever felt because I had my friends with me and I was talking okay, with you guys yeah. constantly yeah. about this. Yeah. Like all of the things, like I'm sure you guys were like sick of it because, and but they were so supportive. They were never just like break up with him, like leave him. Like they were always just like there to like, because I mean, I was like, I know that I, we should have ended way before that we did, but I just wasn't ready to let yeah. go. And I think my friends knew that. Mm-hmm. And like you guys very much instead of like eventually, because if you tell someone enough times that they just have to leave, they just have to whatever. Um, and if they're not doing that, and that's your only response every single time they come to you. They're going to stop coming to you. Exactly. Because you're like, they know. Yeah. They know what you're going to say. Right. And they feel like a burden to you. Yes. Yes. And that's why it's a lesson that I've learned throughout the years. And I, I definitely got this a little bit more in college when I had some female friends that had really bad relationships. Like, everyone is on their own timeline. And, like, mm-hmm. they will learn their lesson when they're ready. I'm, I know that all of us, everyone listening, has experienced a moment where you have someone that you love and you want better for them. Especially in a relationship. But it's something that, like you can you can just support them and say I'm going to be here for you no matter what because like you were saying if you shut down and you're like listen you need to break up I'm tired of hearing about it like quit coming to me and complaining about him just break up Mm -hmm. they're going to stop coming to you yeah and then you miss out on that friendship and then that person feels more isolated which means they draw themselves more towards that relationship because that's a means of connection Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day that's literally all that we're searching for exactly and I mean I some of this I would like to say like the caveat of like if you are in an abusive relationship the 
thought of like oh they just need to like learn their no that yeah. that does not apply to that mm-hmm. like those people need support and help and you know there's so many different barriers to leaving an abusive relationship that could be its own episode too it maybe was, i'll add that to our thing maybe yeah we'll talk about that. <laughs> sure. um but also the same idea of constantly telling your friend who's in an abusive relationship that they need to leave they will surely isolate yes um and there is nothing more dangerous yes. for a person in an so abusive relationship to not have any supports yes so yeah that is a good that is a good moment of education because i don't think a lot of people realize like the most dangerous time to leave an, an abusive relationship uh, is when you're leaving does that make sense yes. like like the more the most at risk your life is ever going to be in an abusive relationship is when you're trying to flee and so it's important like you're saying to not like not have your friends isolate themselves and to really be supportive regardless of how hard it is because Mm -hmm. they need people in order to leave and to ensure their safety long term yeah I wish this wasn't like things that existed that like we even had to like educate on because well and let's talk about how it's never talked about oh any of this stuff (laughs) fucking any of it all of it that's why I have a tiny little microphone Because I'm, I mean, somebody has to talk about it. Someone does, and it's unsafe to not. It's so unsafe. I All mean, of the things we've talked about, it's un, it's unsafe to not talk about and educate about sexuality, mm-hmm. like your sexual identity. We can, I mean, we can even talk about how you felt like not represented, and so your own internalized homophobia affected your like mental health and your experience of sexuality growing up. Mm-hmm. Because okay, nobody, so, there's yeah, no, there's it's, no, it's not out there. It's the fact that people have whole on like. Just, like, the amount that people, like, blow up, like, oh, they're shoving their relationships in our face. It's, like, like, 1%, like, right. 10% of media out there. Right. Like, Robert, like, that's not even, like, an equivalent amount to, the like, the population of the LGBTQIA plus yeah. community. Oh, not at all. Like, and, like, the um, suicide rates oh, and yes. self-harm mm-hmm. amongst these kids yes. growing up. Oh my gosh. Support the Trevor Project yes. right now. Yeah, Trevor Project's good. I can put the link in the show notes. Yeah. Wait, oh my gosh, think about, I have goosebumps ever, but think about like the butterfly effect of like if somebody donates because of this and then like someone gets help to this. <laughs> and then like, uh, I, part of the reason why I love like working in mental health and doing this stuff is like, there's no end to like, w- even one kind thing that you do, one mm-hmm. thing that, that you help and offer to someone, like if someone changes the way that they think and that, then changes the way that they operate and show up and like with confidence and and maybe they help somebody else or like like literally lives are being transformed just by talking about stuff like this and that's what as I'm realizing a lot more now is like I was I was starting with motivation for the podcast and I'm realizing like a huge reason why I'm doing this is to decrease stigma Mm -hmm. and so as long as we can just talk about things that aren't usually talked about so that people feel less alone or they feel like oh now I know how to navigate this about myself like I didn't know it before because no one talks about it. Yeah, I feel like your um, episodes have been very, like, educational so far where you're, you know, you've done a lot of research. Mm-hmm. But also some of it is just, like, talking about it and mm-hmm. also, like, hearing that it's, like, you're not alone in that no. terrible experience no. or terrible feeling that you're, yeah. like, you know, like, yeah. It's it's unfortunately a lot of terrible experiences are very mm-hmm. common. Okay. And, I mean, I, I really want to, like, commend you for opening up about, like, hard stuff that you've been through because not only did you have to like acknowledge that it even happened to you but all of the work that you've put in to to better yourself in your life like has come to this moment of being able to talk about it mm-hmm. and and share with other people like uh, it's just so powerful I remember when we were talking about this like 
um, when Grace was visiting, when we were just sitting around the couch and, and, you know, we had like a safe space to open up and talk about like Mm -hmm. abuse and just hearing somebody else's story, like it helps you feel so much less alone and like normal. You're like, oh, like it wasn't, it it wasn't my fault. God, the deep shame of like, it wasn't my fault. They're like, why didn't I tell a parent Mm -hmm. or like, what did I do to deserve this? Like, and it's like nothing, like you did nothing. Yeah. Like you've done nothing wrong ever. Like it's you nothing. Yeah. Um, and like the not feeling alone. If anybody is in college or like lives near a college campus, check in to see if your um community does a take back the night. Mm. Um, so I was in a club in college um called Stars and it's stronger together against relationship and sexual violence. And um take that back the night is a national organization, but um it happens in April, which is sexual assault awareness month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, it's a rally and a March and you like get shirts and make, um, signs and you march through campus mm-hmm. and it's all, you know, all these chants. And then, um, we like set up at a stage where survivors could come and share their story. Mm-hmm. And I was so hoping you'd talk about this. <laughs> my sophomore year, um, was the first time that I have ever like verbalized my story like out loud Mm -hmm. and I was I think like the last person to go because I was like watching all these people go up and like crying with them and like just like witnessing other people's sorrow is such a like poignant like oh like even now like I feel you know feeling your feelings like it's like I feel like my lungs are like really wet and heavy and my face is warm and my throat feels tight. Mm-hmm. Um, but like witnessing other people's sadness, like so badly did I, I want to get up there and just say something. Yeah. And like at the end of the night, I went up to one of my friends and I was like, will you go up and like hold my hand while I go up and talk? <laughs> and I have never felt more connected to people while like up there and I could see people like crying with me and just know that like I wasn't alone yeah um (laughs) we're both crying right now (laughs) but how powerful of an experience is that so powerful um and to just experience everyone feeling the feeling that you felt collectively yes and mourning what you have been mourning alone for for so long Um, oh. And so I actually eventually became president of that club and Barbie president. <laughs> this Barbie is a president. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the next year, um, you know, we like opened up the stage and nobody's coming up because it's so terrifying being the yeah. first person. Um, and um, Zoe walked up with me and. Uh, uh we got to share our stories together uh, one after the other and just like be up there for support and while we were talking people were getting up to come and get in line well yeah and just knowing that like even if no like somebody who's there just like really needed to like hear that they're not alone and they didn't get up and share like you don't always have to share if that's not part of your healing process you know but like just knowing that you're not alone Mm mm-hmm Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, you know, I feel almost corny saying this, but it all comes back to the power of female friendships because you had Zoe's one of our best friends, but like, yeah, as part of, you know, this, this strong, like nurturing, emotionally supportive bond that we have. And mm-hmm. like, 
you guys to have that experience together and even like just holding each other's hands as you're talking about something so profound is like oh my gosh yeah it, you just feel so much less alone and like you're loved and supported through your hard experiences too it's not just the good it's, it's not just, just the good, good stuff and it's like and it makes the people who celebrate your good celebrate even harder exactly and- wait period <laughs> yeah like because the duality of life you cannot experience joy and euphoria and pure love and happiness if you don't know what it feels like to hurt yeah and that just makes me think of like I've watched Taryn through the last couple months like experience that like heartbreaking that we were talking about like months of like begging for an ounce of affection and now I I see her in this relationship where she's just treated like a little princess (laughs) and I'm like yes you know it's like if I didn't if I wasn't there for you I mean, I'm sure I would still be excited for you. Yes. But if I didn't experience those lows with you and, like, feel your sorrow and, and like, support you through that time, I don't think I'd be as excited as I am now Yeah. for your good relationship. Yeah. No. And it, like, um, because I was in this emotionally toxic um, relationship where, you know, at the end we just weren't suited for each other anymore um, and I knew my worth but wasn't – I was – knew my worth but was too afraid to lose him Mm. um that I couldn't like do anything about it Mm. um but like to get out of that like kind of did like a whole flip and reverse that I had three days of intense mourning where literally my friends did not leave my side while I was in the middle of getting broken up with I sent a text message to the group chat and I'm like SOS if anybody's available I knew it as soon as you said that I said oh my gosh it's (laughs) happening I don't even remember where I was but I think I was I I, I was unavailable because I would have fucking been here yes and um Zoe and Rachel literally barge through my doors Uh I'm still on the phone actively <laughs> getting broken up with yeah. and they're holding me yeah. and crying with me and like I was having like panic attacks like I was like ripping my clothes off of myself because I couldn't breathe mm. and like full like I had to like completely fall on the ground because like my head like I had hyperventilated so dizzy. hard I was dizzy I couldn't feel my hands or my face or my feet it felt like TV static wow. um and they were with me through it all mm-hmm. um like hold it is like so midsummer we're all like I yeah. he had said something that had like made me mad at the end um of the call and I was like we can talk, like finish up this like talk later like goodbye and I hung up on him yeah um and I like look over and Rachel who is not a big crier is like tears streaming down her face and her I've never heard her voice so small and broken going like I'm so sorry and like power of the love that I share with my Mm -hmm. friends and it's like um Zoe kept telling me (laughs) over this that weekend of mourning that I had um that there is this study where um a person received like a painful stimulation and they like registered like their pain scale um and then a stranger came in and a stranger held their hand um and the person received the painful stimulation and like the stranger rated their pain level and like their personal pain level mm-hmm. and then the participant with the pain like rated stimulation it. rated it as well uh-huh. um and even though the painful stimulation was the same when there was a stranger there holding their hand it did decrease a little okay. bit and then when it was somebody that that person loved like down by 50% and the wow. person that they loved felt pain too wow like um and it's like the same thing with like That's joy what happened. Yeah. and it's also the same thing with sadness yeah. and so it's like my friends are crying for me because they feel my sadness yes um and 
then it's like after those three days of mourning we've been vibing ever since yeah. <laughs> well it's so important to let yourself feel the morning too oh and I yes think that's that's I was prepared to backslide yeah just very happy that I had mm-hmm. it and a lot of that I think I credit to how much I had verbally processed with yeah. my friends yeah beforehand right and even as you're sharing that like I wonder if you didn't have like Rachel and Zoe here with you on the phone if you would have had the courage to be like no bye like mm-hmm. probably not because you're alone and you're like I'll just take it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when you realize, like, you have this love in front of you, these people who, like, generally want what's best for you, yeah. like, you're like, I'm not going to tolerate this right now. Yeah. Because I have, like, it, this is evidence. Like, why would I be continuing to be drugged down when I have two people ready to lift me up? Yeah, right now. Right now. Like, yeah. literally physically off of yeah. the floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's, oh, it's so nice that you have that emotional support and that, I mean, we have it and mm-hmm. everyone out there that has nourishing relationships like that because that experience would be completely different without... Oh, friendships to, to help you get through it so much so like Hadley took a day like every mm-hmm. everybody like took the little we all time. rotated it yeah. was like it was like we're dropping our kid off at like daycare we're like okay now you're the owner for today like yeah, we're just like I remember somebody <laughs> said in the group chat they're like who's babysitting Terry yeah. <laughs> yeah. um and I like Hadley had a turn and we just like watched silly little videos on yeah. YouTube and uh-huh. like I don't know just like Mm, we went hot tubbing yeah and I was like I'm entering my revenge era and that's the thing like I haven't even entered my revenge yeah, era I know, because I'm quite... simply just living my best life exactly that like, is I'm... the best revenge mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to like be like oh look at my life now that like I'm you're no I'm no. just yeah <laughs> I love my life exactly I, I love think my that the best revenge is just doing well and just taking care of yourself mm-hmm. and it's not even about revenge I think revenge is it's honestly not, you know that's the thing it's not about revenge because it's like if you see it I like I can't even comprehend you seeing my life now and like even on some level like understanding where I am or who yeah. I am now because I'm such a different person yeah. and like wish the absolute best but like we have part of, like I have no reason to like try to show off to somebody yeah. because I don't care about opinion anymore yeah exactly it's so I talked about this a lot in therapy because mm-hmm. a big reason why my heartbreak was so I just like knocked the microphone around. But a big reason why my heartbreak was so profound is because I kept holding on to this hope that I would see my ex and he would notice how much better I'm doing. Yeah. And my therapist was like, Sydney, you're still seeking his approval. Uh-huh. And I was like, you don't know me. <laughs> I was like, you don't know what the fuck I'm thinking. And that's exactly what I was. I was still waiting for him to validate me, mm-hmm. which I mean, male validation. That's another, that's, 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 that's another, a, that's an addable point. That's another <laughs> whole other thing. But yeah. that's the thing. It's like one, I had spent so long in the relationship, not getting any validation. Um, God, Sydney one time read a really sad letter that I wrote. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, where I had had, um, a panic attack and I was crying in the bathroom Try, like with as much clothes as I possibly could to like get as close to the cold ground because I was so hot mm. um and like the whole like panic attack and everything like that and the way that I felt like I was an animal at the zoo uh, just being like w- just like <laughs> I don't understand straight faced watching me oh like okay. so you were watching your own experience no 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 he oh, was he, watching me oh okay oh. like had this whole panic oh. attack no comfort no nothing like you feel so detached. strange yeah I felt like I was going insane yeah and it was just going to happen because he wasn't going to do anything about it. And he was, and I was just like, I've never felt more ashamed of my mm. reactions and more small. Yeah. And then like, I wanted to talk about it. He didn't. I wanted to like try to, I was like, okay, so we're not going to talk about it. We're moving on from it. 
connect. Let's connect somehow. Physical connect. Like I would just, like snuggle. Like you don't want to talk. What? No, turned away from me. Wow. And yeah, of course that makes you feel shameful. You're like, I had this intense experience and now you're turning away yeah. from me. And if anybody's wondering, I had this intense experience because I have a fear of death and we watched this movie and it's this lady and um, <laughs> she dies and it's her husband grieving. Mm. And like the, it really just like, it really got to the things that I'm afraid of. And mm-hmm. so I like started crying about that. Uh, I also work in the ICU. I see people die all the time. I'm in therapy about it. Um, <laughs> and I started like crying about that. And it's like, yeah, I would love to not have had a panic attack about that, yeah. but I did. Right. Um, and it wasn't, like, it wasn't like we were in a fight about something. It was yeah. like, I was having true genuine emotions totally from outside. And I'm just like being watched like yeah. on the Truman show. Yeah. Which I'm sure didn't do good for your belief that you're not real. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> like it's it's almost I have to laugh. Action, so it might get better reaction. Next time. <laughs> it's hard not to laugh at that belief because it's so like profound <laughs> and it connects to yeah. so many different parts yeah. of my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I had wrote this letter about how small I had felt and mm. um everything like that and. Um, I burnt it in a fire. Yeah, we were camping. And we I read it and I was like, oh my god, I didn't know it was this bad because this is when she's still dating the guy. Yeah. And then Ava read it. My sister. Everybody burned was, it in the fire. Burned it in the fire. That's, I also burned my my stuff in the fire. Uh-huh. And you know what? Something to be said about that ritual. It's definitely yeah. like I was barefoot in my backyard and I started a little fire in my fire pit. I was like, <laughs> I burned all the pictures. And I feel like I it took me a while to get out of my revenge era, but that's because I was holding on to the hurt. I think we t- we talked about this today. Like hurt is addictive. It is, and, like, there's a part of you that, like, the part of you that's hurt is the part of you that wants revenge, too. Yeah. It's like the, you, you don't deserve to treat me that way, so I'm going I'm to stick up for myself because I don't want to be hurt kind of thing. Yeah. But all I can say is that I really love my life, and I'm so <laughs> happy that I am where I am. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think more of that, you know, like. Yeah. You don't need any further explanation for that. Yeah. I think there's really something like beautiful to be said. This is my word of the year, actually, is I acceptance. Feel like peace with it. Yes, right? Because like things happen. Yeah. And what? Say love you. <laughs> Taryn just got the say love you tattoo. <laughs> yeah. This was like an upstairs fucking life here. Say love you. All right. This is a good place to stop. <laughs> okay. We're going to wrap up this lovely tangent, juicy filled episode with um, the questions at the end of my little interviews with the people that come on this podcast. So Taryn, what is something that people often get wrong about you? Um, I think that people often get wrong about me is that like, I feel like when people first meet me, I can kind of be like standoffish. Oh, really? I guess I know you, so yes. I'm, I'm biased. Right. Um, but it's like, it's, I think it's because it's like, I'm, I'm a goofy, wacky girl. Like, yeah. I'm a real weirdo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think it's like kind of like the representative of such play mm. when I'm meeting new people. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I kind of go for like a more confident version of myself. Yeah, like professional businessy kind of. Yes. Like, you know. Um, this is my appropriate uh, response until I can read you enough to know if you can handle my weirdness. Yes. Um, makes sense yeah and so I think that people who know me topically um probably think one that I'm more confident than I am and also <laughs> and it's like I I have anxiety about going to places for the first time like, I'm literally like Darren reads the menu I do for sure <laughs> before but I, I do too and being yeah. vegetarian that's hard you never know or 
like I have a branch of the library literally four blocks away from me. Um, it took me um, eight months to go. And um, Zoe did go with me for the first time because I wasn't <laughs> sure where the entrance was. And so it is confusing. It was always under construction. It's always under construction. So I didn't know when I was allowed to enter. And they also have really weird hours. And I wasn't sure what the like browsing area section looked like. And so I didn't want to go and there'd like be nothing there. And you just like walk in and then like walk out. Um, so I don't think that people who meet me for the first time realize that she's got mental illness, baby. Yeah, the anxiety lives up there, for sure. All right, next question. Something you wish you could tell your younger self? Oh, that it's okay. Yeah. Just that it's okay. I think that goes with, like, both, like, the anxiety that I have now and everything like that, and that I just feel like it. So much of my life has been spent subconsciously trying to reclaim a safety I hadn't fully understood I had lost until I had Mm -hmm. gotten older Mm -hmm. and like how I had lost it, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, just, you know, it's okay. And that could even be applicable, like your first heart, like, you know, it's It's all, it's all going to be okay. It's okay. That's honestly, I feel like what we need to hear most of the time. If we're anxious and we're having a bad spot, like we just need someone to be like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And that can be yourself. Yeah. You know, that could be someone else, mm-hmm. your supports. But yeah, I don't think it has to be complicated. Like, I think some of the best, like, advices and like moments of encouragement are very simple. Mm-hmm. Because it's a truth we just keep coming back to over and over and yeah. over again. Yeah. Okay. Next question. If you could make a law that everyone follows, what would it be? Oh, so... I guess this is a two-parter, but it's, I saw both of these examples happen in one day, and I've mm. never been more infuriated at fellow man before mm. in my entire life. Fellow man. Like human. Like oh, the human yes. kind, yes. right? Like fellow Our man. species, yes. Yeah. Um, people, that, I saw this man walking his dog. We live in a city, right? Um, and also, if you're not in a city, also pick up your dog's poop. Like, it, <laughs> Just because you're in nature doesn't mean you can leave there. It's bad for our local ecosystem. Yes, seriously, period. It's very bad for our local (laughs) ecosystem. Anyways, he was literally standing by one of these specialized, like, dog poop bag areas Uh with a place to put dog poop. Uh His dog pooped, and then he walked away. Oh, yeah. We saw two people do that. Wow. Once, um, like, there. And then we also saw a lady in a park in Boulder do it. And Uh I was, like, about to go over there and be like, girl, go pick up that fucking dog poop. Yeah. Um, so in Taryn's world, you must pick up your dog food. You must. Yeah. You will um, be in prison. <laughs> which is in the same line of if you just leave your grocery cart in the middle of the parking yeah. lot. Yeah. What is that about? Me. Yeah. What <laughs> like, is that? That is absolute selfish behavior. Yeah. Both of these things is so, like you do not yeah. care yeah. about the people around you, yeah. which we've got issues on. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe your law is you must be considerate. <laughs> yes. Everyone must be considerate. <laughs> All, All the people. time. Yeah. You like do not though. go into a restaurant. 30 minutes before it closes. Yeah. You let those employees finish their closing list and leave right the yeah. moment that it ends. Yeah. Yeah. Consideration. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Don't show up to a restaurant with 20 people and say, oh, what? Oh, you can't get us a table? You of course have, not. Like, insane. <laughs> have you ever been in public once in your life? Can you tell we've done like service jobs? <laughs> like, you have to be nice to your nurses. Everybody, be nice to your be nurses. Be nice to your nurses. Man. Wait, maybe that's, a, that's another law. Be nice to your nurses. Taryn is also a nurse. I'm a nurse, and like the way that I be crying sometimes at work, yeah, and after work because people are 
Okay, we're going to wrap up, and I just want to say thank you, Taryn, so much for being vulnerable, being honest, sharing your experience so on the podcast. Also, here. thank you so much for all of your support on the podcast. She'd be posting on Instagram for me, and I really appreciate that. I do be spamming. Yeah, yeah. Power female friendships. Yeah. Right? Okay, <laughs> so I wanted to end with our takeaways from this conversation and something that I really enjoyed. And I didn't even think this was going to come up, but all the stuff of you talking about the take back the night and really the moment, like, it's in my head is thinking of, like, you and Zoe holding hands, sharing really painful memories, like the collective experience and how, how needed that is in healing and in mental health, like mm-hmm. spaces like that. And I just, we were just talking, I'm like, we should go to the next take back the night. Like the next time we can do it, like, let's go. Mm-hmm. Because I well, I just, that gets me really excited thinking about healing in a community. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, I think that my big takeaway from this is just like, I don't know like obviously we talk so often about how much like we love each other and we love mm-hmm. our friendships and everything like that and I'm always like oh me and the girlies yeah yeah um, but it's just the power of female friendship because like I had always um attributed my success and I don't know I don't know if success is the right word but like coming back to myself and feeling happier than ever post breakup with the fact that I had like talked about it a lot mm-hmm. but it's not only that I talked about it a lot and processed it during it but it's because I have like amazing friends to do that with. Like mm-hmm. it's not in, it's not purely a light on me and my resilience, but mm-hmm. it's a light on my friends too. Yeah. And I think that that is not, not, not necessarily something I had like strung together fully. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I was so supported, mm-hmm. but just to be like, I don't know. And also like knowing that like you felt my heartbreak too. Oh my gosh. Can did I, I feel your heartbreak? <laughs> yeah. I'm an empath. I take on way too much. <laughs> I was like, actually, I need to work on my yeah, boundaries. Yeah, I do need to work on my boundaries. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining. Everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. You can support me by clicking all of the links in the show notes and sharing the podcast. Um, and until next time, maybe be well. Quick disclaimer that all the views expressed in You Are the Healer are my own. They are not a substitute for any legal, professional, mental health advice. It is just educational purposes and me sharing my experiences. This podcast is not intended to replace any professional medical or mental health advice.